Uh, we've been spending this hour talking about your wellness during the pandemic. We talked about obesity and childhood obesity first, and now we're talking about your mental health a little bit. Uh, Jonathan uh, Ponzer's with us. He's a counselor and manager of child and family therapy for Memorial Behavioral Health. Jonathan, good morning to you. And, and first of all, I know I'd sent you an article that talked about nearly half of parents uh, having a mm-hmm. problem right now with adjusting to life. And why wouldn't they, you know, with all of their work responsibilities done from home, exactly. along with schooling the kids and more, you know, it's got to be tough have you seen that that pretty much in sangamon county here and in springfield yes no that that's uh, is something that has been seen here as well you know i, I mean i hear about it just kind of amongst uh, other co-workers colleagues um here within uh, the health system but but also from um, parents of the clients that we see here as well yeah most definitely yeah, Jonathan, what have been some of the advice that you've been giving some of these parents that are trying to juggle all these tasks? So I think that one of the things that's really important is making sure that you put together some sort of a structure um, for your day because it's what can happen is when we kind of just go into the day and don't don't have some sort of an idea of how we're going to accomplish all these things because it's, it's a lot of things just like what you were saying I mean, trying to, okay, I have this meeting that I have to get on through Zoom, but then my kids have to do um, the the other school-related activities. How do I fit all this in 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 the day? Um, And um, it it can feel a lot more hectic if it isn't approached in a more planful way. Um, So, like, for example, if you have with like younger kids for if you're able to schedule meetings say during their nap time or something like that 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 could be a way to be able to be able to focus more on during times when you really need to focus um and um but still then be available to interact with them and keep them on task with what they need to do um, or entertained um, during other times of the day Jonathan Ponzer's with us. He's a counselor and manager of child and family therapy for Memorial Behavioral Health. Jonathan, let's talk a little bit about the kids because we know that this has been a little bit traumatic for them and they can't always express mm-hmm. their feelings, uh, you know, uh, rightfully. Uh, what what thing? What advice have you been giving to kids that are trying to deal with not seeing their friends and, and, and other things? I know that's loosened up a little bit here as we've moved into phase three, but still it's been a long time for some of these right. kids since they've seen their friends and a long time since they've been in a classroom right well and and i think that right just kind of like what you're saying so there's a decrease in the ability to use some of those um, other natural supports that uh, might be able to do through talking with friends or family and that sort of thing Um, and and, you know really encouraging them to um, try and find alternative ways to engage with those friends or family members um, through more virtual means um, use of the telephone, which um, for, for some kids, I mean, that's kind of a, a new concept, you know, actually talking on the phone versus just texting or something like yeah, that. true. Um, which is wild to think about, by the way, because when I was a kid, it, it is. I was on that phone constantly. Sure. And exactly. my brother and I would actually get in fights because he wanted to get on the internet to download mm-hmm. stuff. And right. I wanted to talk to my girlfriend, and that was when we had, you know, <laughs> AOL with minutes through the phone line, uh-huh. and it caused some real problems. Exactly. But it's a totally right. different world now. It, it really is. And, and you know, and it's kind of bringing back some of that that sort of thing, because that, that's actually a way in which we've engaged in um, treatment with 
a number of the children because not everyone has has access to um, internet that would allow them to do um, a video. And so we've done a lot of um, therapy over the phone. And with that, um, so I mean that it's it's a new experience uh, for for some for some kids and some families, and and so you know it's not quite sure how to approach that sometimes. Um, so you know, kind of have to uh, help give a, a little bit of support and guidance and and um, how, how we approach that, and and sometimes have um, the parents um, provide some support depending upon the age of the child and that sort of thing. We're talking. Um, with- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Jonathan Ponzer's with us. He is a manager of uh, family, child and family therapy at Memorial Behavioral Health. Jonathan, the other uh, impact in all of this, uh, the corona, is people that are out of work. I mean, some people have been uh, furloughed or or even just let go, you know, because at the start Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. What does uh, unemployment add to the family stress and how can people get through that? Well, yeah, that that is obviously a very huge stressor, I mean, because that can mean... Uh, have to worry about, okay, housing, food, um, just kind of those basic necessities. And and that is definitely something that there's, uh, I've heard of a number of families um, increasingly either worried about or having to deal with. And so um, providing them with information about um, how to go about getting food. So um, through like food pantries, that sort of thing. Um, and then um, encouraging them to go um, if they're eligible for like unemployment, that sort of thing. Because a lot of times, especially during um, COVID, since they it's a little bit um, better um, during this time, that, that's been a big help and, and relief to, to some families. Um, but but in in the end, you know, it's just kind of trying to focus on okay, so what are the ways that we can cope? What are the ways that you usually cope? with stressors. And uh, I think one of the things that can happen is when you get into a time where there's this overwhelming amount of stress, people kind of let all that go and, and they start to engage in behaviors that maybe aren't as as helpful for them. So maybe we start stress eating more or um, we, we stop um, doing any kind of exercise or and as, as a result of COVID, I mean, there's been just less ability to socialize and therefore talk with that friend that that helps you to kind of come down to reality about things and not let your mind go um, uh, further. Um, and so trying to find ways to still make to so exercise, to eat well, to um, get good sleep. Uh, all of the things that we know can help to decrease uh, our, the impact of stress, making sure that we're still taking time and, and effort to be able to do that. Jonathan, um, Chris has made a couple of mentions this morning so far about the Crisis News Network looking over his corner, you know, over his shoulder at the TV, and it's CNN. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. it's it's also just news in general. It's depressing. And mm-hmm. for parents, even True. adults, um, it's yes. it's hard to digest and to just see where we're at. You yep. look at the unemployment numbers. You look at the, the the daily COVID stats that come out. How can mm-hmm. parents best convey, you know, the the reality of the situation to their young kids with with a with a hopeful eye, not with a a doom and gloom eye? And how important is it that that's the type of approach that's taken? 
Right. I mean, I think that it is really important that we not make it into something more than what it is. I mean, it is definitely, it's a pandemic. I mean, it's, it's, so, I mean, don't want to understate that by any means, but, but at the same point, that doesn't mean that we can't still live and that there isn't going to be some sort of, uh, some sort of normalcy that will eventually um, come back. Right. Um, and so like when talking with kids, you know, so all kids, regardless of age, they, they've known someone who's been, who's gotten sick. They know that, okay, people get sick, um, they get better and then, um, life goes on, um, that, okay, so when we have a cold or we're sick, we need to stay away from others so we don't get others sick. So, I mean, there, there's some things that they've experienced in life that, um, can normalize this sort of situation. And so I, I would kind of talk about it and using those kinds of um, thoughts to, to help them understand why we're maybe having to social distance and not see someone um, and, and not um, making it into this big um, crisis for them, but just, okay, you know, we're, we're wanting to stay away from grandma and grandpa right now. Um, there's this, um, like cold that, that's, that's going around and, and we just don't want them to get it. Uh, so we're still going to stay high and we're still going to go and we're going to play, um, like we usually do. And we're going to still have fun times, but, but we're just going to be careful because we just don't want people to, um, get sick. So, so that, that, that's, you know, explaining things in that sort of a way, it doesn't sound, um, quite as alarmist. And, um, but it still conveys that, hey, we still need to be careful and we need to make sure that we're doing things to keep ourselves healthy and keep others healthy. And finally, Jonathan, suicide rates are going up all over the country, even here in Springfield and Sangamon County in that regard. You yeah. know, obviously, uh, not, those are, those are, most of those people aren't seeking counseling or anything like that. Some are, most aren't. But, but how important is it for people that have those thoughts to reach out to some kind of help to some kind of people? I know a lot of them feel like they're bothering people with their problems when really they're not. Isn't that correct or that is correct. I mean, and right. I mean, we have um, the suicide helpline here. And well, I mean, it's a national helpline that you can call. And so, I mean, there's always someone available. And, and it's, you know, we, we want people to call and talk to us about things that are going on. If they need support, we want to support you. And, and I mean, kind of like what you're saying, I mean, that's definitely something that um, we've seen in terms of uh, I can think of a couple of cases offhand where there's a child that was we had had been doing a lot better, um, and then so there's something called the CARES line where if um, a child's in crisis, and so a child that's on Medicaid if they're in crisis, uh, someone would call that number, and then um, we would um, respond. So it was a child that had been doing better, and we were thinking about moving towards um, discharge even, but then we weren't able to see them for a while because they were wanting to wait until face-to-face services and in the meantime ended up needing to be crisis screened as a result. Uh, so, I mean, definitely it, it's much better to try and get ahead of things and, and talk about it on the front end and wait and have to do something where you're ending up in the EV or 
um, calling a crisis line um, to come in and do a screen or that sort of thing. Jonathan, if people need more information or services for Memorial Behavioral Health, where can they go? So you can come here at 710 North 8th Street. Um, we do still take walk-ins We um, and to get services started. Um, there's also our main phone line at um, area code 217-525-1064. Um, so those would be ways to get a hold of us. Terrific. Jonathan Ponser, counselor and manager of the Child and Family Therapy for Memorial Behavioral Health. Thank you so much for your time, sir. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you.